0: Welcome to the Inside Startup Investing Podcast, powered by King's Crowd. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lestruno. From discussions with founders and VCs to industry experts and special guests, we want to provide you with the inside scoop on all things startup investing. Whether you're investing $50 a deal or $500,000 a deal, we have the stories you need to hear before clicking invest. From the metaverse to spaceflight and beyond, join us as we explore the world of startup investing for all. And now, on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lestrino. I am really excited today to have a conversation with Brian Daly, the co-founder and CEO of GroundFloor. Um, Brian is probably one of the first people that I ever discovered in kind of this alternative investing world back in like 2015, I think. 2016. Um, It was in the very, very early days of the Jobs Act and people building companies in this space. Um, And he was one of the first people I ever had on my blog, which is what eventually became King's Crowd. So we've had a longstanding relationship. And it's been a lot of fun kind of watching both of our businesses grow over time. And uh, and it's a real honor to have him in this space and to get to work alongside him. So with that, Brian, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, It's fun to get back together.
0: It's always fun to get back together with you. Um, For those, you know, I know we know your business very well, I know I know it very well, Uh, but for those who have never heard of Ground Floor, give us kind of the the quick elevator pitch.
1: Ground Floor allows anybody to earn very high yields with very low volatility by participating in hyper-fractionalized real estate investment loans. There's a lot to unpack there. because it's a very different type of investment. Uh, but that's why we have over 200,000 users and have sold almost a billion dollars of securities since we started.
0: I, I love the word hyperfractionalized, and it's like if you're not in the world of finance on a day-to-day basis, what do we mean by that? It means like really, really, really small fractions. So like I have many a times bought just $10 of what might be a three or $400,000 loan for a specific property or whatever it may be. So we're just talking about being able to make super micro investments and still play in the same league as like really big investors, which is, I mean, that's
1: how hedge funds, that's how the big guys do it. That's how they generate more return with less risk. They build big portfolios with lots of observations and therefore their returns become more predictable. And most of us, if we get access to an asset class, like residential real estate investment loans, which isn't easy to do, uh, the number one risk that nobody's thinking about is concentration risk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people want to debate concentration and the merits uh, of it or, you know, or shortcomings of it. Uh, I understand that a lot of people feel like concentration is a great thing when you're, you know, trying to find the startup that's going to go to the moon. And I understand that. When you're investing in debt though, uh, it's a numbers game. We have a product that allows you to build a hedge fund, family office uh, scale portfolio without that kind of bankroll. Uh, in fact, the average investor is putting it about $2,000 total in their first 30 days after signing up. And with that, you know they could allocate into 200 loans, right? That's a big portfolio and our empirical data says once you invest in about 40 to 80 loans, you can predict based on past results, what your return might be. Uh, So that's one benefit. And then it also generates a lot of liquidity. Once you are in 100 or 200 loans, there's always a loan paying off. And unlike a fund, like a lot of people think about a REIT, this is not a REIT. You're not turning your money over to a fund manager. You are the fund manager. You get to do that. You get to be the bank, you're loaning out the money. And therefore, when the loans repay, you get repaid, and the cash flow that comes back to you week after week is about ten times what you would get from, say, a Fundrise eReit or a Realty Mogul eReit. It just, and you know, you're not locked up, you know, for three years and getting penalized for taking your money off the platform. That's why people like it. Uh, that's
0: that's this new way of investing that people are discovering. One thing to note, you, you talked about the liquidity element. You're absolutely right. So I probably get a text message every other week saying one of my loans has repaid. So you're making all these micro invests. So to be very clear, I'm an investor in ground floor of the business through a few of their different equity crowdfunding rounds, and I'm an investor who utilizes their product. I'm like a super passionate fan. My whole thing is like fintech. I love this stuff. So. I just want to be really clear that I already love this product and I love the company and I'm an investor on all fronts of it, um, but for good reason. And so you're right, you, you have all these small investments and once you start doing it over time, you have those loans that you, you know, put in money 12 months ago and now they're starting to repay. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what that core product is. What is the type of loan that individuals are investing into and what type of information do you provide on those loans so that people can make smart investment decisions?
1: So my co-founder, Nick Bargava, and I uh, had this idea back in 2013. We actually met 10 years ago this month and wow. started putting together different ideas. And the reason I was introduced to Nick is because he worked on Title III of the Jobs Act, hmm. lobbied the Senate for it, authored parts of it, uh, was in the Rose Garden mm-hmm. when President Obama signed it. And he's, a, he's one of the foremost experts in sort of... How capital markets are liberalizing and how retail investment products can be created. And that's kept us on the cutting edge. We didn't know that we were going to go into real estate. Uh, we found our way there through customer discovery because real estate, as it turns out, is tangible. Uh, residential real estate, in particular, is an asset class that 64% of Americans actually own a house at any given time. The rest of us all watch house flipping shows at least. So we're all kind of familiar you know, with residential real estate. And what we learned is by making investment loans, we could create a product that fills a huge white space in people's portfolios. Most people don't get to participate in debt. Uh, they certainly don't do so in a diversified way. Uh, this is a high yield product. Uh, And it's a product that you're not the sucker at the poker table. You know, you're not trading with somebody like you might be on Robinhood or in cryptocurrencies. And you're not taking a big bet on a long term moonshot uh, by betting on a startup. This is a very um, conservative, relatively conservative uh, investment if you just monitor, if you just measure that conservatism by volatility. So we as a company. Make these real estate investment loans to small businesses who are in the construction trade, uh, people who would call themselves real estate investors and are buying property that needs to be rehabilitated. You know, we have a lot of aging housing stock in the United States. And so these guys are buying this property in order to renovate it. They're some people call them house flippers. I actually don't accept that term because house flipping is what open door does. Right. Right. I'm going to buy it or what Zillow used to do. I'm going to buy it really at one price. I'm going to try to get it for the best price I can. I'm going to put some new appliances in it or something. Maybe paint it and I'm going to turn around. That is not what our customer does. Right. The the operator who receives capital from us is developing a product. They'll take it down to the studs. They'll change the layout of rooms, right? They'll do a lot of hardscaping, right? They, they're really making a product that in a market that has been undersupplied by 5 million housing units over the last 10 years uh, is much needed. So they're making a lot of money because of those supply constraints. Uh, we make a lot of money because the capital is very valuable to them. And the people on our platform make a lot of money because you guys are the people who, and I include you, Chris, in that, uh, you guys are the people who are supplying the capital ultimately. But to be clear, we're advancing it. We take sort of the initial bite of the apple, then we turn around, amend batches of loans. We've probably 20, 30, 40 loans that you can pick from uh, and allocate into across different grades. Uh, But all of them are either, you know, they're residential real estate loans for single family houses that are being built or renovated and then sold or refinanced and rented out uh so that's that's what's
0: underlying it and that's how we kind of got there as you mentioned you have a lot of deals on the platform at any given time and the reality is you're always adding new ones and other ones are being funded and moving out so I'm imagining on a yearly basis I don't know there's hundreds if not over a thousand individual investments that a person can make how are you winning over that business? What is the storyline of why a construction person who is reinventing these homes would work and go take your capital, which could be between what, six and 12% versus yeah. going elsewhere? Well, and in today's market with rates <clears throat> rising, it could be
1: eight to 15%, right? Cause, oh. uh, cause as market rates have risen, we we've raised ours too. Um, the reason they're taking our capital. And this is something that we theorized about in the early days. And now we know it's true. We have examples through COVID through this current period where capital markets are freaking out and and shrinking. Uh, The traditional incumbents run for the hills when there's trouble on the horizon. And that's because traditional incumbents have limited partners. They have investment committees, they have mandates. You and me, Chris, we don't have those things. We may have to ask our, our wives, our spouses, if uh, we can make an investment, but that's as far as it goes. We, in our network, we have 200,000 individual decision makers hmm. who are deciding what loans to fund, at what level, you know, based on their own sense of risk. And that's a more powerful model, and the way that shows up for the customer is, they get more flexible capital, and there's one feature that because we're at $10 minimum, that pays back all the time, like we were talking about, you, you and you get your text messages right? saying a loan is paid off. The end result of that for the consumer of the capital, the user of the capital, is that they don't have to make a monthly payment. We're really the only capital provider at scale hmm. who doesn't require a monthly payment, and that's because of where we source our capital. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you know making a monthly payment is a pain. It takes money out of the project and out of your business just to service a debt. Well, that's no good. That doesn't make any sense, right? Like this is what Mark Cuban is always saying to Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank, right? He's he's always saying, no, don't take the royalty because if you do, you're going to need that cash. Well, we feel the same way because if you're an asset manager like we are, you know, the name of the game is to make sure that collateral gets improved Mm -hmm. and you want to enable your customers who are good. To go do their next deal, so we have a competitive advantage in the marketplace that is unmatched. There are some lenders who've tried to copy us, who've tried to, you know, offer like a three-month or four-month, you know, payment holiday. Well, that's not the same thing because you know where it gets really tough is month five, six, seven, eight. You know, when you're deep into the loan, nobody can match that, uh, and that's why our customers, honestly, we're talking about an equity investment in our business here. Not only is it a compelling proposition for the retail investor. It's a compelling proposition for the user of the capital because nobody can do what we can do and we charge a premium for it. That's why we monetize our loans at about 50 to 100%
0: more than any competing capital provider in our space. What you're doing is you're saying, okay, you want to purchase this home and remodel it. It's going to take you nine to 12 months to do that. And then you want to sell it at a premium to what you bought it at. And what we're going to do is we're going to put the capital up for you so that you can do that you're not going to have to pay a dime so you're putting all of that money to work to improve the house and then at the end you'll pay us when you sell the house is essentially what you're trying to accomplish is that
1: and now now if you're if you're an experienced borrower we we might loan 90 percent of the value of the house right we always want them to have some skin in the game Mm -hmm. if you're an inexperienced borrower and we check public records to rate experience we know that matters a lot, then we're gonna lend you less in relation to the value. So there's it's a partnership, right? They have skin in the game, and you know, we put up the capital to help magnify their efforts. The other thing that we're doing now is we're not only fractionalizing debt, but in this market, because you know, there are housing market bears who think that prices could decline 10% over the next year, right? So Mm -hmm. we as a lender have said, yeah, that is a risk. We've actually reduced leverage. And now we're filling in the capital need in a way no other capital provider can, which is we now offer equity Mm -hmm. as well to the to the operator. And you can participate fractionally in the equity as an investor, too. So if you're the kind of investor who wants to take a little bit of risk and see a higher return and you're up for that volatility, you could actually participate in the debt part of of a deal and the equity part or just one or the other it we're we're now creating product that i think nobody else can match there are plenty of lenders out there none of them can also provide equity the way that we do when a borrower runs into trouble we've shown now that we can recapitalize their project using equity that's very powerful in a market where you know what maybe housing prices are down And we like the operator. We like the collateral. We like the market. So we just want to buy some time, but get the debt investors liquid. We're starting Mm -hmm. to do some of that now. So the reason this is a compelling play for your listeners, uh, the reason I hope they'll go to WeFunder and invest in this round is we are loading up to play offense in this market. This is the moment when you want to be playing the debt side or the equity side of the residential real estate market. We've been We've done really well on the upswing in those markets, but now we're gonna do even better right alongside our customers uh, as the market rolls over. So some people get scared. They're like, oh, ground floor, aren't you guys in in single-family housing, isn't that gonna be in trouble? Hell no, man, this is where,
0: based on what happened in 2008 to 2012, this is where the money is made, this is it. One of the most important things, in addition to all the things that you're talking about, is is time to capital for an operator, right? Like, they can't be sitting around raising, as you know, with a lot of reg CFs, right? It could take you two, three, four months to raise yeah. the money you need for your project. Um, in this case, these folks don't have that kind of time. How do you get the capital to them in an upfront way while still being able to sell those securities to individuals in a way that might take some time?
1: Well, I'll tell you a story that you will appreciate (laughs) because you know the difference between the power of retail capital and the limitations of institutional capital. We know it as entrepreneurs. We know it. You know it watching in the marketplace. uh, And that's why we love crowdfunded equity, right? That's why we've raised $30 million of crowdfunded equity since 2018. Because that's the that's the model that wins. We used to source the capital to pre fund our deals from an institutional partner who provided us a credit line. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, what
1: do you think happened in 2020? When COVID hit their masters, their suppliers called their capital and that rolled downhill. Our Mm -hmm. capital got called too. And we had a lot that created a huge disruption in our business. And I made a promise, never again would we be dependent on institutional capital. It's not consistent with our mission. And we created a product called Ground Floor Notes that allows retail investors to step in the shoes. That credit line when it got canceled was $10.5 million. We now have $105 million uh, on our balance sheet that retail investors provide us they lend it to a subsidiary of ours that in turn goes out and makes these loans and advances capital it's it's pooled right so if you own a ground floor note you're backed by a pool of loans these loans are over collateralized because of course we don't loan the full loan balance at the time we make the loan right we we'd make we loan just enough to make the acquisition less whatever the skin in the game for the borrowers. So it's a really um, attractive product for people who maybe don't have the interest in sort of building their own portfolio or who have a need for liquidity in three months or 12 months. And they just want to be sure of the time period when they're going to be paid back and the rate. So you earn a lower rate, the short of the term, but it's a really attractive product for a lot of people. And then we've launched a new app called stairs that allows people to sort of participate in what's basically a high yield savings account now, because we allow people to withdraw it at any time, we limit how much you can put into that product to $5,000. But if you have a spare $5,000 sitting around, you know, it's a good place to earn 4% on your money, you know, and be able to access it whenever you need to. So we've we've created these new retail investment products, that allow us to be really flexible and fast uh, at scale. There's no local lender in any of the markets where we compete for borrowers who has that kind of capital accessible
0: to them. It is the power of the crowd writ large. Of course, I love it and believe very strongly in the mission. But so to get into it, when you started, you go on the ground floor and maybe there'd be three to five notes at any given time that you could invest into. Now you got 20 to 50 at any given time. Actually, as into. of today, I think we have 120. Oh, my God. So 120 individual investments you can go and invest in. And then if you go to the, one of the other sections on the site, you can go and invest in these notes, which is another way to get exposure to basically a bunch of loans rather than doing the individual micro loans. Correct. And then yep. you've created this STAIRS product as well, which is this app where you get a 4% essentially yield on your, your investment. So talk to me a little bit about STAIRS. Is that an FDIC insured bank account? What what does that look like? We
1: go to great lengths to make fun of the banks and to uh, point out that as rates increase for what they charge, the rates haven't increased in what they pay. And that's Mm -hmm. because it's good to be a bank. Uh, (laughs) You know, and and we point out that yeah, maybe your savings account is paying you 1% or 1.5%. I actually checked two of my savings accounts. One of them is actually paying 2%. The other is still paying like 0.05%. I was like, I am moving that money, uh, you know, to a ground floor <laughs> node or something. And I think the STAIRS product is not FDIC insured. That's very important. It is an investment product. We, we cutely call it a save vesting product uh, you know, taking everything you like about savings and, you know, combining it with investing. Uh, but it is an investment, you know, you are investing money in a note under underneath it. It's a really attractive note, but it's a note. Uh, and so it's important that people understand that when they, when they, and and how does that
0: differ from the note that you could just invest in the note right on ground floor versus the stairs app where you put your, so the stairs up, like I mentioned before is
1: limited to $5,000. Uh, as a, as a, as a deposit. Of course, we allow it to grow from there. So if you get up to 5,000 and you you still get to grow and compound your interest, that's fine. Uh, So the notes have a, you know, and it's a $1 minimum investment in stairs. Hmm. Uh, If you are investing in a note, the minimum investment is higher. It's $1,000 and the terms are different. So you're agreeing to lock up your capital for 30 days or 90 days, and it's only available on our website. It's not those notes are not available you know, on our mobile apps. They're only also uh, marketed to a combination of accredited investors and, in- and investors who've been with us one year or longer uh, mm. or who are shareholders of the company. So if you become a shareholder, you get access. If you're not a shareholder, but you're on the platform for a year, you get access. So there's a little bit more hoops to jump through to get access to the notes,
0: but it's worth it. People love that product. No, that's really cool. And then, and then you've also started adding an equity product where folks can actually yeah. invest in the equity upside yes. of the homes,
1: yeah, and you know there are startups out there who are doing this. The difference between us and virtually all of those startups is that we're not sitting there uh, on the other side of the table, right? Mm-hmm. Almost all these other startups that have you know announced funding rounds over the last year, you know you got to look closely at the fine print. There are two big problems. One. Uh, they are deciding what the price is after they've bought it. So they mark it up before you get it, and that's their revenue model. So every dollar they make in revenue is a dollar less that you're making in return. And then on top of that, they charge you a fee. Right. It's kind of outrageous, actually, uh, if you think about it. We've always said, nope, we don't want to compete with our customers. We want to be really clear about who we are. If we list a loan for 10% return on our site, that's what you get. We don't take a fee off of that. There's no fee for investing in ground floor. You don't need a fund manager. You don't need a holding company. We actually just have operators who are offering equity in order to raise more money, right? That's, that's why they're doing it, right? In order to All get right. liquidity. And in this kind of market, they're really willing to pay a lot for it. If, if you're interested in those, um, today, we always test out these new products with accredited investors because the rules are simpler. Mm-hmm. We'll qualify an offering for everybody uh, next year, so watch this space. But if you are an accredited investor and that product interests you, uh, we have a new initiative called Ground Floor Labs where you can sign up to participate in these new products. And we've got we've got a roadmap of about six or ten of these things coming that are different ways to buy equity on different terms and different types of projects. and. It's rad, man. It's really, really cool. We're super excited about it, and I think it's going to scale really quickly because it's unique. There's, there really isn't anybody else who's not, you know, treating you like the sucker at the poker table, who's taking your yield and sitting on the other side of the transaction.
0: And, I mean, you got to read the fine print on those things, man. I mean, it's just so cool to see all of the expansion that's occurring, I mean, just inside of your business, going from kind of this one product to a multitude of products, and it sounds like that continued expansion will happen. Um, So I think that's just good for customers. Obviously, one of the biggest challenges that everyone was challenging myself on, yourself on, when back in 2015, 2016, in the early days, was sourcing capital from retail investors is a fool's game. It's expensive, it'll never work. You guys have sourced over a billion dollars that have been sold into your securities and you've sold $30 million in equity in ground floor that people now own a part of the ground floor business. What, what things have you figured out? What things have you in fact found challenging in sourcing capital from the retail investor?
1: I am bullish on retail investors. Uh, the pinned tweet at, uh, on my Twitter account of Brian underscore Dally is, uh, is emblematic of how I feel. You know, a lot of people look down on the retail investor. A lot of people count them out. Uh, I actually think there's power in numbers. That a capital market that's structured like the internet itself, you know, with millions of nodes, is better, more resilient, more flexible, and more efficient than uh, than the alternative, which is a capital network that has a few nodes that everybody pays attention to and gets to call the shots and, by the way, make all the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a better way to structure a capital market. What it isn't is fast, right? I mentioned before that a retail investor on our platform will start off putting two thousand dollars in in their first thirty days. Well, over the course of a year, that because they get repaid and reinvest and they add more capital, that turns into about eight thousand to ten thousand dollars, right? So that takes time to build. The other thing is it's is expensive to acquire retail investors now we have a business with unit economics that are good enough without charging retail investors a dime right what we provide as a product and capital is valuable enough that we will repay and break even on our cac within 12 months which is very very attractive Um, now we also have to acquire the equity capital to go front that that money right in order to sort of return it Right? So we have to be very careful about controlling our growth rate and making sure that we have enough capital around. And again, it's not like an institutional investor is showing up with a dump truck full of cash you know, to enable us to do that because we are raising from the retail investors. So that's why this WeFunder campaign is really critical. It's why raising from our shareholders earlier this year was really important because it fuels that customer acquisition. We can show you that it's worth it, because if when we run a discounted cash flow using empirical data on how much do we return in lifetime value for that investment of customer acquisition cost, it's a four and a half X value on a discounted cash flow basis using contribution margin. This isn't some kind of silly startup vanity metric talking about revenue. This is the hard bit. This is contribution margin. And we use a discounted cash flow at a high discount rate, appropriately high discount rate to get to that. And we can show you uh, what that looks like. It's an incredibly, retail investors are incredibly valuable, but they're incredibly slow to build. You Mm -hmm. know, we've never had a cohort of retail investors who have shrunk in aggregate AUM terms. So retail investors from 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, invested at an aggregate AUM at one level, and that number is larger for the cohort today than it was in their first year. So the product's extremely sticky. We call that negative net dollar churn, uh, investment dollar churn. And it's just a, it's a a reliable, flexible, awesome source of capital. It can be expensive and it can be, you know, it can be expensive and it can be sort of, uh, you know, slow. It reminds me of what uh, a divorce attorney once told me as I was going through my, my divorce uh, many years ago. So Brian, do you know, why divorce is so expensive. So no, I do not. Why is it so expensive? Well, because it's worth it. Uh, same thing with the retail investor. <laughs> it is expensive because it's worth it. It's the harder way to get there. We got through the regulatory requirement mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, you know, over the course of about four years and about a million to a million and a half dollars of capital, right, in order to innovate the way that we do in capital markets, in order to create the efficient product that we have. So we got that behind us. Now we have to get through, you know, aggregating enough capital to optimize the growth opportunity here, and that's why we're out-raising. It's why we raise every year.
0: I mean, you know, the, you, to your point, yes, it's slow, and you're at 200,000 individuals who will actively invest on the platform. But if you think about the fact that if you don't see a whole lot of them falling out because you have great products, and continue to add new products, which obviously increases lifetime value. And then if we just continue to expand the awareness and education of this market, and you see more and more folks hop on, at some point there is kind of a, you have to imagine a, a nice compounding effect where the numbers get pretty large. Um, you know, the first 10 years is the hardest, right? Yeah. <laughs> the next well, 10. I mean,
1: to your point, we're gonna do half a billion dollars of investment
0: sales this year. That's half incredible. Half a billion dollars, right? How I mean, long did it take billion? you to do the first half a billion?
1: You know what, that's a great question. I have to go look. It probably took us, yeah, seven years because we sold our first loan. It was a for a house flip in Southwest Atlanta. It was a $40,000 loan. We, we we were like, we put 39 investors in it in back in February of 2014. And I think that year we maybe got to a million in security yeah. sales, maybe you know, over the course of that calendar year. And we could only sell securities in the state of Georgia and nobody ever heard of this before, right? It's an unknown concept (laughs) from an unknown company in an unknown category. Otherwise, what's the problem, right? Um, You know, is nuts. But yeah, I mean, it probably took us, what? Yeah, I guess seven, what is that, eight years? Eight
0: Eight years. years. And now you're gonna do half a billion. 2014
1: to 2020, yeah, it took us eight years to get the first half billion. And, you know, the other half billion has happened yeah, in that ninth year, I guess,
0: eighth year. Wow. And now you're going to, here you are again, are going to do it. So it tells you what happens as these things do compound over time. Yes, it's an investment, but I think what you have done really well is you've built a lot of trust in the market. Um, there is something to be said for being one of the first to market and not falling off and not turning out to be a problem. But well, actually, there, look, really there,
1: the painful problem. part is there are a lot of startups who sound like ground floor, you know, real estate crowdfunding companies and the like. Nobody else had the strategic intent that we had. Uh, nobody else put in the regulatory work that we did. Uh, and nobody else has built this base of retail investors uh, that we've built. And now, uh, as it should be, it's the end of your industry. You know, everybody yep. wants access to the retail investor now. Everybody sees the power now. You know, uh, Well, we saw it back in 2013 and we got started early. That's why it's a good investment. Now's a great time. You know, Now, people, I never get an objection, even from a VC about the power of the retail investor they'll stipulate to that you know their question is like yeah but is it going to stay powerful i'm like yep yeah yes it is (laughs) (laughs) i I have news for you yes (laughs) Uh, Yes. the unwashed masses are coming they don't need middlemen and they don't need to be told what to do and they don't need their capital locked up by a fund manager they're going to make their own decisions because uh you know what they're good enough and they're smart enough uh, to do it, and we're get, we're all creating product that makes it easier and easier every year. You know, we're not the only company now that's playing in this space. I'm. We're joined by people like uh, if you if you've heard of Vint, which uh, mm-hmm. fractionalizes collections of wines. Like that's pretty cool, right? There's there you can participate in fractionalized art. You can participate in fractionalized. You know collectibles, you know, like it's everywhere, man, you know, it's happening. It's just (laughs) our category happens to be the biggest one by an order of magnitude Mm -hmm. and the most familiar one by the order of magnitude. And now with the housing market finally softening, this is the opportunity to make money,
0: you know, in this category. This is it. Couldn't agree more. So folks, you know, you do have an opportunity to invest uh, in ground floor right now and own a piece of the business. Um, on WeFunder, but Brian, I I know we've given people, I think a pretty good sense of what this business is all about, what you've been up to, how you're expanding. Um, For you, you know, as an investor, what do the next three, four years look like? Why should people get excited about coming in now? So this is the moment when
1: the refugees from Robinhood and cryptocurrencies are showing up and looking for something more stable, more reliable. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, through the ups and downs, I I invest in Bitcoin, love me some Bitcoin, uh, but it's very volatile. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not for everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm happy I have my ground floor investments because when Bitcoin is swinging all over the place, my ground floor investments just keep delivering cash flow and yield. Uh, So I think there's an army of retail investors who are looking for alternatives to the public market. There's a lot of data about that. Bank of America themselves just published a report that talks about how millennials see alternatives, not public market securities as the key. Uh, I think we are a huge, we will be an outsized beneficiary of that trend. Uh, The need for capital and liquidity now that the housing market is rolling over has never been more uh, dire and therefore more profitable. This is where our customers are going to make. You know, one one uh, friend of mine told me early in my career that if you want to know how to big, you build a valuable product or company, you got to follow where the smart smart customers are going. You know, you got to find the rabbits and follow them and serve them. That's what's happening. Our smartest, best operators they're getting ready. 2023 is going to be super busy for them, right? Because yeah. they've been waiting for this moment. So, I think if you're a believer that you know, inflation may stick around. If you're a believer that, you know, we are underbuilt in single-family housing in the United States, if you're a believer that the incumbents are going to do what the incumbents do, which is they're going to head for the hills and there's going to be a market failure in capitalizing this work that needs to be done, then you should be long ground floor. That's the pitch. And over the next few years, we're going to take this position that we've built patiently over the course of nine years now uh, since we incorporated the company in February of 2013, and we're going to exercise it fully. Uh, we're going to do that with product expansion, with customer acquisition. Uh, you know, this is a time when, uh, you know, back in June, we cash flowed the company almost by accident, right? We were just, oh my goodness, we went from burning cash to actually generating positive cash flow. Now we had to turn around and invest that cash flow right back in the business to grow the customer base to keep up, you know, with, uh, with the demand, you know, for capital. But, um, you know, I think the re- the case for investing in ground floor now is if you understand these trends and how they're going to de- develop over the next three to five years, uh, I think it's pretty easy to reach a conclusion that this is a good product, taking advantage of good trends at a really good time. And there's no other asset like
0: this, uh, in the alternative investing universe, frankly. I am fully aligned with you there, Brian. Thank you so much for the pitch. Thank you so much for the time. Um, as always, nice to have you on the show. And for all those who are in- interested, uh, we will definitely provide the links and whatnot for you in the show notes uh, to be able to go and invest in Ground Floor. Uh, but Brian, thank you again for being on the show today. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. Before you go, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like or a positive review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and share our latest episodes. And if you like what you heard and want to learn more about how we can help you manage your startup investing search, diligence, and management at King's Crowd, check us out at kingscrowd.com. Thanks, and until next time, happy investing.